You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. Hi everyone, my name is Frank Rock and welcome to the From the Hack Curling Podcast. It's time for our 2024 Briar Preview. And as we've done in previous years, we are joined by members of several teams headed to Regina for the Briar. Hello everyone, thank you for joining me this week. Once again, my name is Frank Rock. Our Briar Preview includes interviews with Brad Jacobs of Team Carruthers, Ben Hebert of Team Botcher, Mike McEwen, Matt Dunstone, Aaron Suchinski, and Tyler Tardy of Team Kui. But we start off with four-time and reigning Briar champion, Brad Gushu. Brad, the first couple of times I interviewed you for the From the Hack Briar Preview, you had yet to win your first Briar. You've now won four of them. From a mental perspective, is it easier to prepare for the Briar because the pressure of getting over that hump and winning the first one is long gone? Or is it simply a different kind of pressure now for you and the team? Uh, I think it's easier now. I think the, you know, as I started to play in more and more Briars and, and going longer without winning one, I the pressure was definitely building and, and we felt it and, I thought about it. Uh, I knew when we won the first one, the second one was going to be much easier, and and that was certainly the case. You know, I don't think about too much being on the back end of my career. Um, You know, at this point, whether I win another one or not, I don't think it's going to change much in my life. And uh, so it takes away that sort of pressure. But obviously, I want to win more and and want to be competitive and and give ourselves a chance. So, but I would say if you look at where I am now versus, say, 2016, 2017, uh, much more relaxed going in than what I was at that point. And, and I would say now it's very similar to what it was or what it has been over the last six or seven years. I'm curious, Brad, how different is your preparation for the Briar now compared to when you reached your first Briar podium back in 2007? Well, I think um, back 15, 16 years ago, I'd be throwing – you know, a hundred plus rocks a day or, or more uh, leading into it and, and making sure I, I kind of prepared and threw as many rocks as I could. I think now, you know, it is much more about feeling a hundred percent physically. So uh, certainly not throwing a hundred rocks a day, but making sure that we're out there practicing and practicing the right thing and, and making sure technically we're solid. Um, definitely the rep count is way down from where it used to be. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And just making sure physically we get the rest that we're looking for, that there's no ailments, uh, no injuries, things like that, because, you know, we haven't forgot how to curl. So a day off is is probably going to be more advantageous to us at this stage leading into it uh, than what it would have been, say, 15, 20 years ago. Um, you know, I've done enough preparation that I don't feel like I have to cram for the exam anymore, which is uh, probably how I felt in my 20s. How quickly can you tell, Brad, when you get to the Briar, if this is going to be a quote-unquote A-game kind of week for the team, or if it's going to be one of those weeks where you have to lean on the B-game more than you might like? Yeah, you know what, I I don't know if you feel it right away. There's been weeks where, you know, right away in in the first couple of games, you feel really good, you're playing well, and and you think it's going to continue, and then a little change in the ice or a little change in the feel happens, and then things start to go the other way. Uh, and I've also been there where it's been a struggle at the start, and then all of a sudden you, you get uh, your handle on the ice, get a handle on the rocks, and and you start playing better, and, and you start getting rolling, and 
and you play good at the end of the week. And then I've also been there where it's been just up and down. Um, so I, I don't get too caught up in that. I, I try and take it, you know, not to sound cliche, but it obviously is cliche. It's, it's kind of day to day, game to game. And, um, you know, if you have a bad day, it doesn't mean you can't go on and win the event. And, and on the flip side, if you, you know, you play two top teams back to back and you, and you win them both, it doesn't mean that you're going to end up winning the event. So, yeah, you know, I've been there enough that I know there's multiple ways you can win. And uh, it's just a matter of doing your best in every game and, and, you know, not letting too many slip away. And maybe if you can figure out how to win a couple games that you can't or that you shouldn't, um, you know, you should be there at the end of the week. That's kind of kind of my perspective, getting the playoffs and uh, you hope at that point that you've, you're rolling and, and things are going well and catch a break and you might win. Like Jen Jones, uh, Brad, you're at a point in your career now where you're starting to face players who grew up as big fans of yours and of your team. Can you sense that at the start of a game, and do you try and take advantage of it by being aggressive early against those younger teams who might be a little nervous playing against Brad Gushu and his team? Um, you know, I, I try and be as aware as possible of every circumstance when I play a game. So I you know, I try and learn from any interaction that I have or anything that I see in a team and, and whether they are nervous or whether they are comfortable or confident. Um, you know, I've always done that. And, you know, if I can gain any from anything from that or, or change the style of play, yeah, I, I will do that. Um, so I, yeah, I'll keep my eyes and ears open, uh, and, and see what, what happens. But to be honest, if, if they looked up to me when, when they were younger or watched me play at the Briar and they're there now, I think that's, that's pretty cool. But uh, I've been beaten enough uh, by, by those people that have looked up to me. So I know it, it doesn't mean we're going to win just because they, they grew up watching me on TV. We're, we're going to have to play well and, and perform. And, and um, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a battle. There's not too many rookies. I don't think in our pool. I'm, I'm trying to, listed off in my head. So Slachinski would be a rookie, but those guys have been around long enough and they're playing so well that they're not going to be intimidated by anybody that they play. Um, They've beaten many, if not most of the top teams in the world this year at some point. So, uh, you know, they're certainly capable of of giving everybody a a challenging game and and will be there, likely be there at the end of the week. Um, You know, a team like Manuel was, was there last year. So I don't expect that. I don't know much about the team from Quebec. I've I've heard that they're uh, you know they're young and 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 good and up and coming curlers, but obviously we've seen Felix for the last couple of years at the Briar, so it's it's going to be interesting to see that team. And so there's uh, yeah, it's it's a nice mix I think in our pool. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's fair to say that you've had a decent season, Brad. You've qualified in all but one of your events, and you've won twice. But you've fallen short at the Slams a little bit this season, not reaching a final yet, and obviously not winning any of those events. How do you summarize the current season for Team Gushu? No, I think you're, you, you've been pretty accurate. I, I think it's you know the Slam or lack of Slam success we had this year. Um, you know, we made the playoffs in three of the four, and, and the other one we lost on a, on a shootout. So it's not that we've been terrible, but we certainly, you know, we haven't been in finals and haven't won Slams like we we have over the last 10 years or so. So that's been disappointing. A um, couple of good wins internationally uh, with the Pan Continental and, and Kariazawa. Uh, but overall, I would have to say the year has been kind of, blah <laughs> you know if that's a good way of describing it 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 hasn't been great it hasn't been terrible 
Uh, it's just been pretty average. And, and, you know, we haven't had a week yet where all four of us have, have been firing. Um, I'm hopeful that that'll happen this week. Uh, I think it will need to happen, obviously, when, you know, to win a briar, you need all four players going or, you know, at least, uh, at least three. And, and then, you know, you, you, you might get lucky. Um, so hopefully we can all come together and, and have a good week. Speaking of slams, uh, Brad, what do you make of one of your contemporaries, uh, Joel Retornas and his team, who have really turned a corner in the past couple of seasons, going from a solid Tier 2 type team into a bit of a juggernaut, having won four slams, including three this season? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've been surprised in the last year and a half that they've stepped up. I, I think it was a team that I envisioned taking the next step for, for a lot of years. And, and, and I think was actually, I'd probably go the other way. I was surprised that they didn't make it into like a, become a slam team a little sooner, but I've, I've known Joel now since 2006 when we competed a, in the Olympics. I know he's, he works hard. He's committed to the game. I think the big, big change in his career personally has been, you know, the addition of the other three players and, and having, you know, a guy like Amos and, and Sebastian, Joining the team, I, I think they've they've been better players than he's had over the the course of his career. Uh, I think the last couple of years, you know, I think they've done an incredible job of managing their shots and managing the game. Like those are two really big boys that that he's got sweeping in front of him. And having watched them and played against them, I think right now they have the most control of the rock as it comes down the sheet. And I think Joel has developed into an incredible line caller and and game manager. And I think having those skilled front end player or skilled guys in front of them, and then having the front end that can sweep the way, the way that they do, you know, there's no real weakness in that team at this point. And, and uh, you know, I think they're going to be a force for the next couple of years, to be quite honest. I think they're, they're all very committed you know, I think they're full-time curlers, so they're going to be a gold medal favorite in, in 2026, and, and if they stick together for longer than that, I think they're going to be, a, you know, a thorn in Canada's side as we play in world championships and, and Olympics going forward. Now, Brad, aside from when you win the Briar and go to Worlds, your team doesn't typically travel outside of Canada all that often. This year, you traveled all the way to Japan and played an event in Karazawa. Aside from the fact that it gave you a chance to visit Japan, did the trip serve another purpose for your team? Did you did you feel like you needed extra reps, or was it a way to get you to an event at the spot in the schedule when the trials will be held two years from now? No, um, it was just the fact I've I've never had the opportunity to travel to Japan. Mark Mark never had a chance either, and, and neither did EJ. I, I think Jeff had been there before, but we had tried to play that event several times over the last twenty years, and for various reasons, it didn't happen. One of those was actually in two thousand and six. We were signed up to go, and and we won the trials and, and had to withdraw because the timing didn't work as our preparation for the Olympics was was upcoming. So. Um, you know, I, I've heard great things about the event. Everybody that went over said the hospitality was great and, and, uh, you know, an awesome country to, to visit. And, you know, we had the opportunity. It fit in our schedule a whole lot better. They actually moved the event up roughly a month. It used to be right before Christmas, which was always hard for us flying right before Christmas, flying home. Uh, this one I think was the end of November. So it just worked nicer into our schedule. We weren't playing that week you know, kind of a bucket list item to, to go over into in Japan and, and play an event there. And I have to say it was, it was worth the trip. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, would we do it again? I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure because it's a long trip and really expensive. 
but certainly I'm, I'm I was thrilled that we that we did it. I loved the experience and and they treated us so well. And I'd encourage any team uh, to go over and, and experience it at least once in in their career. It's definitely worth it. Brad, you just mentioned the Olympic trials in passing, and I haven't spoken to you since Curling Canada announced the dates for the 2025 Olympic trials a little while back. And, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little surprised at the timing because they are being held on the same weekend as they have the past few cycles, despite the fact that several elite curlers in Canada suggested they should be moved back a little bit to give the winners more time to prepare for the Olympics. Now, I spoke to the new Curling Canada CEO, Nolan Thiessen, a few weeks back, and he provided an explanation as to why the trials were being held on the same weekend as they have traditionally. But as someone who has represented Canada at the Olympics twice now, are you okay with the status quo, or would you have preferred they move the trials back to earlier in the season? Uh, no, I was advocating pretty strongly that I, I felt that they needed to move them, move them forward and, and provide the teams that won a little bit more time to to prepare for the Olympics. I think the Olympics is is a huge event, obviously, and and there's a whole lot more that has to go into getting ready for the Olympics than there is to the world championship. And, you know, I also feel like we don't give our teams enough time to prepare for the world championship. Um, But certainly with the Olympics, it's roughly two months, I guess, in that ballpark. Um, But you throw Christmas in there and the chaos that we all experienced during those couple weeks and the couple weeks leading into it, uh, it's just not enough time. And, you know, we are the last curling team that's decided by, you know, at least a few weeks. I think the U.S. is usually around the beginning of November. Uh, but everybody else, all the other countries literally know years in advance. Like I could tell you right now, Nicholas Sedin knows that he's going in 2026. And uh, I could tell you, Bruce Mallett's going to be going from from Scotland in, in 2026. So those teams can really work their schedule uh, to know that they're going, where the, whoever represents Canada gets two months minus whatever period for Christmas, and it's just it's just not enough. I was disappointed that it wasn't moved. I I certainly understand some of the reasoning for it, but yeah, I, I think from a player's perspective, we need more time. Would you have preferred that they schedule the trials for the previous spring, like some people were advocating, Brad, or would you have preferred a week in October or at some point earlier in the first half of the season? Yeah, so my my suggestion actually was I think we could have re- run it in the in the spring. Um, I don't even know if it was my suggestion, but it was certainly an idea that I really liked. If we if you run the team event in the spring, and then you had the mixed doubles around that same time, it then provides a lot of our top quality curlers to then maybe shift gears and focus on mixed doubles and and play the fall and then have a play down for it. I think you get more of your our top players playing mixed doubles. I think right now with the format that we have, we've re- really limited a lot of our top f- players from competing in mixed doubles, and maybe that's what they want. But, you know, I, I think having those skilled players play gives us the best chance. So I we'll see. I guess the proof will be in the pudding now in 2026 if, if the format works and we get dedicated mixed doubles players going. Maybe that, maybe that gives us a better chance. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but... You know, as one of the top players, I'd love to have a chance to play at both. But right now, the way the format is, you pretty well have to decide one or the other unless you're in a pretty special circumstance and and have the ability to play both. And finally, Brad, you've played under a few different uh, formats in your previous 20 buyer appearances, uh, especially over the past six or seven years. What do you think of the current format and which format do you prefer? Uh, You know, I I don't even know how to answer that. Um, 
you know, I think the current format is it does a good job of appeasing a lot of different people in 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 what uh, they're looking for. I, is it a perfect format? No, I don't think so. But you know, I like the fact that every province gets a spot in there. I I like the fact that you know we've got our our best teams going. You know, um, and I don't mean any disrespect to any other team, but pretty well the teams that really have a chance to win are all all going to be at the Briar. They're all going to be at the Scotties, and I think that's a positive as well. I'm also a little bit old school where I kind of like you know the the twelve teams, uh, and this would be pre Team Canada where it was just per, you know you got to win your province to get there, and and then you go and compete. I, I thought always thought that was was pretty cool. But I know the the game is evolving and, and, you know, we're no longer as dominant on the world stage as what we used to be. So we have to ensure that we are sending our best teams and developing our best teams. So having the wild cards or the additional teams getting in through the CTRS, I think, is beneficial as well. So that's a long way of not answering your question. <laughs> And, and not giving you a definitive answer, but I'm okay with, with the format that that's in, in place right now. Uh, and part of that is just cause I don't, I don't have a real better idea to be honest. And, and uh, I know we've got to, you know, you got to make the member association, member associations happy, but you also got to make the players happy. And I think this just does probably the best job of it. My next guest is Brad Jacobs, who is back for a first Briar appearance since his return from a self-imposed break from curling. And he'll be wearing some different colors this time around at the Briar as a skip of Team Manitoba. Brad, it's been a couple of years since you and I last chatted, so I want to start by taking it back to when you joined Team Carruthers last year for that first slam with that team. Had you decided that you wanted to come back to curling full-time at that point, or was it very much a feeling-out process for you before making a final decision to come back to the sport full-time? Yeah, it's been a couple of years, Frank, and um, I think the answer to that question is the latter of what you mentioned. Um, I got the call from Reed to uh, to step in and help out because they needed a player. Um, things weren't working out with Jason at the time, and uh, they all kind of agreed to to part ways. So I came in just to help out and spare, and uh, kind of realized that I still had the itch to be out there competing. I, I remember going into that slam and not having played uh, any men's spiels to that point or any slams to that point, and you know everyone at at that point in the season was pretty was pretty darn good I think it was January and um, everyone was playing really well and I remember feeling like whoa I'm I'm way behind all these guys right now and I remember feeling pretty nervous Uh, but it definitely gave me the itch to to give it another whirl and uh, it was a great call that I got from Reed Um, you know Connor and Derek and Reed are very good friends of mine now at the time um, you know, I, I had known Reed for quite a few years and Derek uh, and Connor too, but, you know, Reed and I are around, Reed and Derek and I are around the same age. So, um, you know, we were a little bit uh, more so acquainted with one another, but we've become very good friends since and now teammates and uh, things are going good. What was the biggest challenge about returning to a full-time schedule, Brad? Did it take a while for you to find your groove and, and for your curling muscles to get back into uh, playing shape? Well, luckily, I was playing some mixed doubles at the time with uh, Carrie Anderson and a few other people, actually, that I ended up needed some, needing some spares and some spiels. Um, so I wasn't totally out of the game. I was still staying in touch with it. And I, I remember when I, when I stepped away, I really was looking for a new challenge. I wasn't looking to skip anymore uh, if I was going to continue to play in the men's game at some point. 
Um, I was looking for a new challenge, which is why I started to, you know, explore and, and take a look at mixed doubles and, and use my sweeping muscles. So, um, you know, when I went back out there, I would say at least I thought my technical was okay. It's not as good as it is now because I wasn't working at it as, as much uh, last season, that's for sure. Uh, which was nice. You know, I got to spend a little bit more time with my family and we did some traveling and that was, that was great. Um, but yeah, when I got back into it there and playing third, uh, sweeping was a challenge for me. I had skipped my entire career. Uh, and that was, that was difficult. You know, judging weight is, is a difficult thing if you haven't done it, uh, often. Um, and that was certainly me. I, I was using some different muscles that I wasn't used to using. I felt the pressure of having to, to sweep um the things that i did feel comfortable with especially was being in the house and calling line and things of that nature that i was used to when i played the skip position uh but yeah i was i was a little nervous because everyone was good like i said and and everyone's unreal now it's it's so crazy the level of play that the men's game has gotten to is uh is pretty remarkable right now We'll discuss the current uh, season in a moment, Brad, but I have to ask you what it was like to sit on your couch last year and watch your cousins and former teammates, EJ and Ryan Harnden, play against each other in a Briar final. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, it's hard to explain what what I felt, uh, what a lot of people felt. You know, so many people from Sault Ste. Marie, um, you know, were so used to seeing us all together all the time and uh, to see uh, myself not out there, obviously Ryan and EJ playing in the Briar final against one another was certainly a different experience and a, and a pretty unsettling feeling, I would say it was weird. And, uh, but you know what, at the same time, those two guys are incredible athletes. They, uh, made their way onto world-class curling teams. I wasn't surprised to see them playing against each other in the Briar final. I really wasn't. Um, and I know, you know, you'd have to talk to them, but what, what an incredible growth experience for them to compete against one another in that game. Um, and just be a part of that whole thing. And from the outside looking in was very nerve wracking, you know, and I remember even just, I I thought more about other people. Like I thought about, you know, Ryan and EJ's dad, number one, I thought about, uh, even my uncle Al, who would have been watching that, uh, Ryan and EJ's mom, like my aunt Sue, I, I thought about our Nana at home. <laughs> She's a uh, hundred years old now. So she would have been uh, like 99 last year watching them play. So I thought about all of the emotions. A lot of other people were probably feeling at that time. Um, so that's kind of how it went down for me. Team Carruthers has started the season off with a bang at the points bet invitational, Brad, but then the season turned into a bit of a roller coaster, leading to a lineup shuffle with you moving to skip. When and why did the team decide that it would be best for you and Reed to switch positions? You know, like you said, we, we did get off to a relatively good start winning that spiel. Uh, that's a spiel that uh, Reed obviously really likes, and uh, He's undefeated in that event. Uh, it was really, it was really neat to be a part of that and win that spiel early on. Um, but you know what? Sports is up and down for a lot of teams, and we certainly had a lot of um, excitement and motive and motivation coming into this season. You know, we got on the ice early uh, with Curling Canada, David Murdoch and uh, Victor, and our coach Rob and Jeff, and you know, we we started working on our technical and making some delivery changes in August. 
So for us at that point, when we had won the, the points bet, um, it already felt like we were into our season uh, a little bit, which was nice. Um, but yeah, things kind of up and down. We were looking for some more consistency is really what it came down to. And I guess luckily enough for our team, you know, I've, we've got two guys on our team who have played the skip position before Reed and myself. And uh, we were still trying to figure out what's the best fit for our team. And quite frankly, I don't know if this is even it yet. I've only skipped for four events. It's been going relatively well. Um, I think if you ask anyone on the team how this feels, they would probably agree that it, it does feel maybe a little bit more natural than the other lineup that we had with Reed skipping and myself playing third. Uh, and I know that Connor and Derek really love uh, Reed at the third position. He does a lot of really good things and uh, you know he's really good for Derek. They've been together a long time. He's very good at judging uh, weight and communicating uh, with them. So I know they're really happy to have him with them. He's probably better at all of that than I was. And uh, I know for me, I've been in the, I've been in the house my whole life. Uh, I was a little nervous playing that grand slam. Uh, the first time I went out and skipped again, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty nerve wracking for me, uh, but I've settled in, I think now. Um, and uh, things have been going pretty good ever since. This year was their first experience at the Manitoba Playdowns, uh, Brad, which I've heard people refer to as a bit of a meat grinder type of event. How was that experience for you? Uh, just the sheer number of teams compared to what you typically face at Northern Ontario must have made it feel a lot different. I didn't really know what to expect. Pretty much went into that event blind. I mean, the guys helped give me you know, some advice, and we talked about it a lot and all that stuff. But really, until you show up there and, and you start competing – um, you don't really know exactly how to feel. So uh, I know there's a lot of tradition and history behind the Manitoba playdowns. You know, they've been running things a certain way for a long time. They haven't veered from that. You know, it goes uh, right, right to the, the opening banquet and what all of that looks like. So I really just tried to be in the moment, Frank, and take it all in. And uh, I tried to stay calm and be as professional as I could and tried to I certainly wanted to at least go out there and gain the respect of the all of the teams and all of the players in Manitoba who have been playing out of Manitoba for a really long time. Um, so that's kind of was my mindset going in. I would say that, you know, Connor and Derek and Reed and, and Rob, for me, it kind of felt like going in, like we're going to win this thing. And certainly, you know, I think we were the favorite going in. We're the number one seed and all that stuff. But, a lot of other teams had a lot of other ideas and we definitely went in to that event with a target on our back. And uh, I would say that a lot of teams played their best game against us, which was really nice. That was really good for us to have that uh, be up against that challenge and to see the enthusiasm from other teams really wanting to come out and, and play their hardest and play their best and beat us. That was really good for us. And uh, we made sure that we took nobody lightly that event was tough. It was a grind. You know, they call that draw the gauntlet. There's, uh, you, you know, you fall to the wrong places. You can be playing a lot of games. Um, it's exactly like they told me it would be. Frank, like it starts off slow. And then once you start to whittle it down to the final eight and the final four, you feel like you're curling an awful lot. And if you go back and you check out the draw or if people are following along, they'll see that we lost a couple of games. You know, there was a couple 
situations where uh, we weren't our best. And, you know, one of the things I found interesting, and I'll say this, is there's a lot of defensive teams in Manitoba. Uh, There's a lot of teams that like to hit, and they hit very, very well. And if you go up and down the sheet with them and play a, you know, a hitting match, uh, they'll hold their own and the game will be very close. And I didn't really know that so much. And I had to really get a feel for, uh, you know, calling the game and being amongst these other players who calling this really defensive style of game. You know, we had some team meetings about how are we going to try to get some more rocks in play and play a little bit more offensive. And sure enough, that did work out for us uh, in the end, but Yeah, it was uh, quite the experience, Uh, and it's always tough winning a provincial championship. I know people, and especially some of our peers, you know, from who've been watching us for years out of Northern Ontario, they would say, some of them might even say it's not even a real province, and, you know, expected us to just walk through Northern Ontario every single year, and some years we did, and some years it was a grind, and that's that's just the way that it is. So being a part of the grind out of Manitoba, uh, was really cool. Um, we certainly earned the right to wear uh, the Bison and be Team Manitoba this year, and I'm just uh, really proud to have earned another Purple Heart. And also uh, really proud for Connor uh, because that was his second Purple Heart out of Manitoba, and uh, it's great. Also great for Coach Rob, who um, you know really wanted us to to win that event in coaching the Briar. So we're excited to be Team Manitoba in uh, in the upcoming Briar. It must have felt strange to uh, put that bison on your back after so many years of uh, repping the Northern Ontario colors. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I didn't really think about it a whole lot until I saw the Manitoba gear and I, you know, we started to put it on. Um, I was just excited to, to earn another Purple Heart. Uh, those are really special. You know, that's one of the things growing up that I always wanted to earn one and to now have had 14 of them is pretty crazy to me but yeah no it's uh it's a change i think it's going to be a lot it's going to be a little bit tough for the fans right all of the fans from northern ontario i know it was it's tough to for some people to see ryan uh especially last year wearing manitoba colors and ej with with brad's team and wearing team canada or uh, being, you know, representing out of Newfoundland and now myself somewhere else. I think it's tough for fans sometimes, but like I tell everyone, you know, you'll get used to it. It's okay. A little bit of change is, is not a bad thing. A bit of a unique situation uh, this year for your team, Brad, in that two of your teammates are coaching at the Scotties. How is your team manager at your Briar prep? And uh, will you be getting together in the days leading up to the Briar to practice as a team? Yeah, good question, Frank. Um, so, yeah, those guys are obviously coaching uh, Laws and Anderson, um, and now they're in the, they're both in the playoffs. So um, they're going to get home whenever they get home. Uh, I am planning to leave here on Monday morning. So Monday, February 26th, going to fly to Winnipeg. Um, I would assume that Connor and Reed will be home probably that day. But it's a short turnaround for those two. Uh, you know, they're going to, uh, we're going to practice on Tuesday in Portage. And then we're all going to drive to uh, Regina on Wednesday and away we go. So I know that Reed and, and Connor are trying to get as much rest as they can, as well as they've been throwing rocks at the Glencoe together and with some help and, so, and getting as much practice ice in as they can. Uh, Derek and I are doing our thing. Derek's got Rob where he is and, um, and I'm doing my thing here in, in the Sioux. So, 
the, I, I would say the nice thing is we just came out of our provincials a couple weeks ago. You know, we had a, a really good competitive week. I think that was the best thing for us going into going into Regina here. Uh, coming through provincials the way that we did, we had I think we got nine games in and uh, came home, rested a couple days, right back on the ice, and uh, it's a short turnaround. So uh, hopefully we can keep some momentum coming out of provincials. You know, I thought we played pretty good. I thought in particular, I'd just like to mention, I thought Reed was uh, the best he's been all year. And, you know, playdowns really does usually bring out the best in all of us athletes, I would say. And you could really tell that um, Reed wanted it, wanted to win that one, and and he was just right into it from the get go. He was uh, just a really great for me um, in the house. He was a really great caddy uh, at the third position, putting the broom, helping me put the broom in the right spot. He, he calls great line. He's got so much experience doing that, and he threw the rock great. And so, uh, yeah, if we can just improve a little bit on our performance in uh in manitoba heading into regina here yeah i think we'll be fighting for a playoff spot out of our pool and finally brad as you mentioned this will be your uh, 15th appearance at the briar which means you've played under about four different formats what do you think of the current format and which format has been your favorite yeah good question here's my answer frank i don't think about it that much man um i and that's maybe a bad answer but that's the truth i don't really care. <laughs> um, so, and I know that's not the best answer, uh, I, but I know that at the end of the week, the championship is going to uh, find the best team and, and the best team will win and be the best representative for Canada at the world championships, which is going to be extremely tough, especially with all of these, you know, European teams, uh, et cetera, all these international teams, that are just so, so good nowadays. That's It's going to be a daunting task this year to try to win the world championships, but the best representative will come out of the briar uh, this year, and uh, I know we'll go to that world championships in Switzerland and um, do everything they can to try to win for Canada again. So, uh, yeah, the format is what it is, in my opinion. I I take it or leave it. I don't care. I don't think about it that much. Um so, yeah, that's kind of my answer on that one. I will say this, too, before we wrap up, if you yeah. don't mind. I just I was watching the Scotties, and I can't remember who I was talking to. I think it was Rob. I was talking to Rob Meekin on the phone, and uh, we were talking about one of the Scotties games. I think it was a timeout that uh, Reed went out for with uh, his girls, and Rob pointed out there's only one timeout in the Briar now. And I couldn't help but think to myself, oh, I, I didn't even know that. Like, we used to always have two timeouts. I, is that a new thing this year, do you know? Or is yeah. that was okay? Well, kind of where I was going with all this, though, Frank, is in my mind, I was thinking to myself the other day, when are we going to have just a consistent set of rules and regulations that we play with for a, a few seasons in a row? <laughs> and I couldn't help but ask myself, you know, about the only one time out now, like how much harder can the governing bodies and the powers that, that be make the game of curling for all of us athletes. And where I'm going with that is, you know, we, we have five rock rule. We have no tick. We have only a certain amount of time. We have, 
only one time out now. Like, I'm just kind of wondering, like, it's hard. And that's the thing that I'm getting at here. I, I feel like is, you know, we got lots of rocks in play. We've got lots of more complicated situations with no tick. You know, it feels like sometimes there's not enough time on the clock. Now they've taken another time out away from us and, I'm just wondering when it's going to be good enough for a little while where we can just run with one set of consistent rules for maybe a few years and stop dicking with things so much, (laughs) if I must say. Um, It just seems like I can't even keep up uh, as an athlete with sort of new things all the time and and what's going on. Do you know know what I'm saying? Next up is Ben Hebert, who will be playing in front of family and friends in his native Saskatchewan as the lead for Team Botcher. Ben, this is the second season of this incarnation of Team Botcher with uh, Brendan, Mark Kennedy, Brett Gallant, and you in the lineup. What have been the biggest steps in your progression as a team between last season and this season? Yeah, just uh, just consistency. We put in a lot of a lot of work last year to kind of give us a base of uh, what we were trying to accomplish, and it kind of took us a little bit longer than maybe uh, we thought it was going to to you know, find our own way. You know, not the not my way from Team Cooey or Brett from Gushu or Mark from Jacobs or even Brendan from his old team. We uh, we dabbled in a few of those things and what made each of those teams successful, but that didn't really seem to be the recipe for our team. We kind of had to make our own way and our own path. And you know, a lot of credit to Paul Webster. He he kind of helped build our own path of what we wanted to do technically and and you know some things that we wanted to stick to to make our own brand and our own team. And um, yeah, we've been working hard on it this year, and it's kind of it's kind of shown a little bit on the ice. We've had some really good results this year, very, very consistent. And uh, I think we're just going to keep working hard at the things that, that we're doing that make us uh, make us tick, and it's been going well so far. From a Leeds perspective, Ben, has your role changed much with Team Botcher compared to what it was when you were with Team Cooey or perhaps even uh, Team Kevin Martin? Um, I think it depends on your team and who your teammates are and uh, what kind of things you can bring to the team and in certain different areas. I mean, certainly I'm a you know, different player than I was when I curled with, with Kevin Martin, you know, I was young and, you know, Kevin Cooey's team, I had a certain role and on this team, I have a certain role. So, you know, leads a role, certainly a role position on every team. And, you know, there's a lot of good leads out there that can make shots and a lot of guys that are good sweepers. So I think uh, you got to find a way to be different than the other leads to, you know, stand out and, and continue to, you know, play great and whether it be sweeping or if it's strategy or experience, kind of whatever you got to do, make, you know, more importantly, you know, make your uh, make your teammates feel good, make them feel like uh, you know they're they're walking on water because they're the ones that really can dictate the game in the back end. I've you know, there's been a lot of games I've shot fifty percent and we've won, and a lot that I've shot a hundred and we lost. So I unfortunately I know the drill, but uh, you know my role on this team is pretty simple. You know, do my job, do all my lead jobs, and uh, if I do that, boys usually take care of me. Your team has had a fairly good season so far, Ben. In fact, if it weren't for the Italian juggernaut uh, team Retornaz that has tripped you up at a couple of slams, you might very well be the story of the year on tour. How would you summarize Team Botcher's uh, season so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're a good test. I mean, I like I like playing them, and you like playing Nick, and you like playing Bruce, and, you know, Schwaller, like all those, those world teams, you know, they've been playing real tough, and you always like playing the best teams in Italy. You know, they had a real hot run there for a little bit in the middle of that season. So, yeah, they're, they're a tough team, and, you know, they've been working hard. You can tell, you know, they're getting better. And, you know, Joel Joel's had a really good year himself. And, uh, you know, good sweepers. You know, obviously, Adam Ryan Fry, they got some experience with coaching. But, uh, you know, they're, they're a good challenge. I, don't, I give them a lot of credit for playing well. But I, 
you know, we could easily we could easily won both the games that we lost to them. We lost, I think, we lost to them in a slam final. Uh, they played good, and then we also lost them in a slam semifinal where we gave it to them pretty good up and down the sheet the whole game, and we actually pissed that one away. But that was unfortunate. But uh, yeah, they they had a they took advantage of opportunities, and they had a really really good season. And uh, yeah, good for them. But uh, I look forward to playing them again. How about that? I spoke to Brad Gushu for this year's Briar Preview, and he told me that one of the things that his team has learned to do well is to remain competitive even when they have to depend on their quote-unquote B game. What approach does Team Botcher take during a long event like the Briar when, for whatever reason, the team is not feeling it and you have to depend on your B game in uh, in a stretch of games or at an important junction during Briar Week? Yeah, well, I think, uh, I think probably what Brad means there is there's I don't know if there's games you win when everyone has your B game. You know, I think uh, if you take turns and if you all have your B game and your skip has your A game, you're sitting pretty good or vice versa. If the B skip has a B game, the rest you play good. But uh, I think in today's world, uh, yeah, we, we've become a pretty good team. If, uh, you know, if one of us hasn't maybe playing our very best, you know, picking the other guy up, making a couple shots after him or, you know, stay in support of being a good teammate, making sure they know that all the other things that they're doing on the ice is helping us win. And uh, yeah, I mean, certainly, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to bring your A plus game every every night. That's just not the way that any sport works. Um, and we, yeah, we've won some games this year where we've had to grind it out, maybe against some teams that we think we should be three up coming home with, or something like that. And you know, we're one down with, or we're tied up with, and we got to grind it out. But those are just good character wins and. You know, you bank a few of those uh, throughout the season. All of a sudden, you see your win-loss record crank up a little bit better. But, yeah, you definitely uh, – that's kind of what separates the top teams. If you can get away and, and play a B game uh, still in the 80s and, and make the right shots, I think, more than anything. If you make the key ones, you can still uh, still come out with a W. So those are those are nice ones to have. Ben, you've become synonymous with Alberta curling over the years, uh, but as most curling fans will know, you're originally from Saskatchewan. How fun is it when you get to go back home for a major event like a briar? No, I can't wait. Yeah, playing at home is, you know, especially the older I get, the more you, uh, the more you uh, cherish playing in front of your family and friends. It's been a long time for me, and um, yeah, it's going to be great. I get to go play in front of, you know, my mom and dad, brother and sister, my nieces and nephews now, and uh you know, all my wife's family's from there as well. So ton of ton of friends that I went to school with, elementary school, high school, all my friends I grew up with playing hockey and baseball and football. And I'm sure I'll see uh, the big contingent of the curling community that I grew up with in Regina. So great people there. You know, I had great memories there and um, I'm really looking forward to it. No no better place to play for me than, than Alberta and Saskatchewan. So it's going to be great to get home. And finally, Ben, you've played in a few different formats at the Briar. Which one have you preferred, and what are your thoughts on the current format, which I know wasn't uh, a favorite of all the players last year? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a long time. This is a loaded question, but, I mean, I understand where we're at uh, in Canadian curling. I also understand that, you know, it shouldn't be a benefit uh, to play in the Briar based off where you live. Uh, The Briar, I do believe, is a Canadian championship, best on best. Uh, but there also is a big business component to it with, you know, getting everyone in and, you know, seeing all the the flags and people that come from across Canada to uh, be a part of the Briar. You know, the Briar is a huge part of Canada. It's an amazing event here in our country. And so I do understand both sides. The format, I think, for what they're currently um, shooting for with getting all the top teams in along with including all the provinces and territories, I think it's about, about as good as you could ask for. Um you know, the unfortunate thing is, obviously, with pools, you're never going to get 
never going to get equal. You know, you can try your best every year and there's going to be a, an outlier somewhere in there, whether it be a, you know, a team that isn't ranked high, that doesn't play a lot, is real tough, that falls into a pool and it just kind of makes them uneven, but uh, it is what it is. You're going to have to beat everyone anyways to win it. And uh, you know, we're not there to stick around to Thursday and hit the patch. You know, we want to be in there at the, the last game of the week and, and see what happens. So for us, it is what it is, uh, but the best format I've ever played in at a Briar, you know, certainly was just a 12-team round robin when you played everybody, uh, mostly just due to the fact that it was the most fair. Now, you know, there was no question marks, there was no pools, but at the same time, you didn't get to go to the Briar every year. So, you know, I totally see both sides. I know what Curling Canada is doing. I think with Nolan there, you know, he's going to do a great job, and um, they're kind of doing uh, the best they can with what they got currently. Next up is Mike McEwen, who will be representing Saskatchewan this time around at the Briar and should get the loudest cheers of the week as a skip for the home team. Mike, you and I chatted not long after you qualified for your first Briar back in 2016, and Regina will be your ninth Briar appearance. Had I told you in 2016 that you would end up representing three different provinces at the Briar in the next decade, what would have been your response to me? No chance. <laughs> uh, on, honestly, you know, uh, playing my entire career out of Manitoba up until very recently, uh, I would have said nothing, you know, nothing ever would have changed right to the end. As a follow-up, Mike, I'm curious to know if you think we will see a bunch more of that moving forward. Experienced players joining teams in other provinces with similar curling objectives. It's obviously happened a lot already, but I wonder if the combination of the birthright and import rules might uh, lead to an influx of even more teams playing together moving forward while living in completely different parts of the country. Uh, yeah, yes and no. Like I, I think there's a possibility for more player movements, more imports, but with with that brings challenges like i i'm still in winnipeg and my you know my team is is in saskatoon so there are some training challenges with the team and it's uh you know having out of province player or players is not ideal it's it's not a recipe for you know really fast tracking a, t- a team's development so i i can see it being you know, being something that happens, you know, more often over the years. But I'm not sure that, you know, without actually players physically relocating, I'm not sure if that, you know, the import would actually, in in a lot of cases, would actually, you know, increase, uh, you know, a team's competitive chances. Unless there's, you know, a lot of sacrifice for the training component, which... You know, I've had to do a fair amount of travel just to make sure that my team is getting enough of me, so to speak. So what you're trying to say, Mike, is that you couldn't convince Don to move to Saskatchewan. No, no, we're very happy in Winnipeg. So that's, uh, but, you know, Saskatoon is a nice city. It's, uh, you know, if if I was to pick the next biggest city close to Winnipeg, that's, uh, you know, that's definitely the the next uh, pick where I would like to be and, at least uh, from a travel component, it's it's minimal for me to go see to see them. You know, come in for a couple of days and then go home when I need to. So it's it's worked. But if the distances were greater, um, you know, like for example, EJ Harden with Team Gushu, that has to be, you know, that's a definite challenge. And um, you know, I don't think that's 
that's something that everybody can take on. How well did you know your new teammates, uh, Colton Flash and the Marsh Brothers, before joining forces with them, Mike? And uh, how long did it take you to find your groove as a team in your first season together? So I had known Dan and Kevin a little bit from just playing the Marsh Brothers on tour here and there. They didn't know them really well, uh, but uh, Flash, I, I definitely had more experience interacting with him just because of his so many years with, with Team Laycock. Um, you know, he was essentially a top recruit out of juniors, I guess you could say, in Saskatchewan. And he went immediately from juniors to, to playing with Team Laycock. And, you know, they they had been sort of a fixture in, in Grand Slams and, and Briars for so many years. So I was fairly familiar with with the guys, just, you know, being the next door province that... Uh, I had a good sense of who they were as as athletes and people. You've played in 13 events already this season, Mike, which is quite a bit for a veteran player like you. Was a loaded schedule a result of chasing points, or were you simply trying to give you and the team as many reps as possible to find your groove? Honestly, that's that's the curling world we live in. Uh, you know, and, and that's a lot. That's a lot for me. Ten events before Christmas, but. A uh, part of that was fast tracking a little bit of our new team development, and the the second part was also our goal was to make the Saskatoon Slam in December, and just because the amount that a lot of international teams are playing, we you know we were in in a position where we had to actually play quite a bit and start maybe a little bit earlier than perhaps uh, we've started in the past. It's kind of the environment, the getting into grand slams and things like that is extremely competitive with, uh, you know, not just Canadian teams, but now actually even more so international. And, and some of them are playing week after week after week after week. So that might be the new norm, uh, you know, unless you're in a really comfortable position to design your schedule accordingly. If you're sort of on the cutoff lines or trying to make the next move, you know, playing 10 before Christmas might just be the average versus, you know, some teams are playing, you know, some of the Japanese teams, et cetera, et cetera, probably played 15 or or so, like 50% more than we did. Moving on to Provincials, uh, Mike, it certainly seemed uh, like your team played really well uh, at Provincials. It it must have been gratifying to bring your quote-unquote A game to the season's most important event so far. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment because the the front three guys played exceptional, right, from opening, opening game to Sunday's final. And just having that consistency in front of me for the entire event was... You know, that, that made my life easy as a skip. I, I threw my last rock once in in all our games. And I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I would say I started a little bit slow the first couple couple of days in the event. And then once once I was playing well, along with the other three guys, then we were, for all intents and purposes, I, I felt like we were unstoppable. And I think that showed with just how well we controlled Every you know every playoff game and even some of our later round robin games, um, we were just uh, you know just a really solid unit out there. So that was really good to see, especially that we had just played Lloyd, which was a big event. Uh, 
didn't have our greatest outing there and and the grand slam started a little bit slow played well at the end of the grand slam but there's not a lot of wiggle room to qualify there so this was like perfect time for us to kind of come off the back end of that grand slam and play well for an entire event it really like you know i think it did tremendous things for our confidence going going forward after after provincials was done how has your approach uh, to the bar changed over the years, Mike? Have you been able to come up with a routine that allows you to enjoy the event while also being able to rest, recuperate, and remain focused for the whole week? Yeah, I think I think the biggest change for me is ever since the switch to the two pools a number of years back, I've taken longer as a player to really kind of find my groove in that format. I, I felt like I... I was much more comfortable with the big, big round robin. And in, in the shortened two-pool version, I I think that I just, for whatever reason, wasn't focused, wasn't wasn't quite at my best early in the event. And in a shortened round robin where it's split between two pools, you don't have that sort of luxury to kind of fool around at all, really. It's... it's, it's uh, you know, every win loss, it, it really is dramatic as far as your playoff positioning. And I think it's taken me some time to get where I need to going into that event to be ready to play from opening draw. And I felt like I was able to do that last year in London. And uh, personally, I believe I'm in an even better position to do that for my team this year in Regina. So I'm really excited to come out playing, you know, hopefully some of our best curling even opening weekend, maybe. Now, you will be the home favorites at this year's Briar, representing Saskatchewan in Regina, which might sound strange for a guy from uh, Manitoba. Have you discussed this with the team, and how will you approach being the home team in front of a crowd in Saskatchewan that typically is very, very supportive of their home team? Yeah, I think I think this is a special circumstance where we have somebody really experienced on our bench and and pat simmons is coming with us uh pat will be on our bench along with brent lang and the nice thing with with being able to lean on pat's experience and we've had some some initial conversations about a home a home briar in saskatchewan and and i've i've experienced too uh last year in london being team ontario and and in brandon manitoba uh a few years back being team manitoba but Pat was, you know, very direct in saying this will be the best home briar that you've experienced, Mike, because Saskatchewan fans are just, you know, they're they're so dedicated, they're so loyal that it's it's uh, it's an experience that you guys are going to remember. It's it's likely to be elevated beyond what I've experienced as a home briar. There's that potential for that. So just having pat to interact with as a team and and like i said we've had some initial conversations and and even to have him and brent handle some of the distractions and keep the team on track i think that's uh that's really special having those guys that support team with us so i'm excited uh honestly you know i i hope it's an amazing experience i'm really excited to to don the green in saskatchewan even though you know it's something i never thought i would do 
And finally, Mike, if you ask most curling fans in Canada, they would put your team near the top of the second tier of teams at the Briar behind a small handful of teams expected to compete for the title. Now, I know that being an underdog of sorts can really light a fire under competitors like yourself. Is there a part of you that is eager to go to Regina and to prove to those people that you should belong in the conversation when Briar favorites are discussed? In particular, I think we can point out two teams that are you know, obviously, team team Gushu, team Canada, the and and team Botcher has been you know the top of the Canadian class this year on tour. You know, they're they're the two names that kind of really jump out, and there's some other names that obviously have just so much history with the Briar Field. But you you hit the nail on the head in that you know we've been working as a team first year together to basically you know be amongst that group, and and we've been making big strides week over week, month over month. And I think there is a tremendous amount of belief in our locker room that that we have what it takes to go the distance. And that if we're in, you know, a playoff pressure situation where we're such a, you know, I think dynamically the four of us, the five, six of us, when you count Brent and Pat, that I think we can handle some pretty intense situations just as good as anybody else in the field. So I think there's a lot of belief going into this briar that, that uh, you know, should we bring the best versions of ourselves, we have a legitimate chance to be playing on Championship Sunday. Next up is Aaron Suchinski of Alberta, who won his first provincial championship this year in his 11th attempt and could be a team to watch in Regina. Aaron, to many people watching this year's Briar, you will be a fresh face. But to be fair, you've been competing on tour for a few years now. Can you tell me about the journey that has led you to your first Briar as a skip? Yes, yeah, so I, I won uh, I went to the Canadian Juniors in 2008. So it was a little while ago. And uh, since then, mostly focused on uh, work and family. Still curling uh, at a competitive level, but not... Uh, not giving it my all until uh, uh, two years ago, we put together a team with the intention of making it into the slams and the briar. And, and uh, we've been putting in the work and I guess we made it. So uh, this was my 11th try at the provincials and we were able to knock off Kevin Cooley and make it, make it into the briar this year. You just mentioned putting a team together a couple of years ago, uh, Aaron, with designs on competing in the slams and reaching the briar. Now, this meant joining forces with Jeremy Hardy, who was also skipping his own team at the time. Tell me about your partnership and how it's led you to achieve some of the big goals that you had both set for yourselves. Yeah, yeah, we played against him over the last few years. He's quite a bit younger, but he had success uh, at the skip level. He played in the pre-trials for the last Olympics, and and yeah, he... He's just a good fit. Uh, same kind of demeanor as uh, me out there, so we get along well, and he's a great addition to the team. He can make a lot of shots, too. So I want to take you back to the Alberta Provincials, uh, Aaron. Uh, you played Kevin Cooley in the one versus two game and won. How big was that for your team to secure a place in the final and give you the added confidence knowing that you had just defeated Team Cooley if you faced him again in the final? Yeah, I mean, uh, curling is so much confidence driven if you have confidence that you can win you're probably going to um so that was huge for us and uh especially like 
that one-two game wasn't going well for us the whole time. It was kind of an open game, and Kui had control, and then we we got a few uh, fortunate mistakes in the eighth end and ended up taking the lead. And, yeah, it gave us a ton of confidence going into the final that we could win that one. Tell me about that last rock coming to rest in the final, Aaron, and realizing that you had won Provincials and were off to your first briar with your own team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we, we had control the whole game, so it's kind of in the back of my mind that this is a, a real possibility. And and then that 10th that end was kind of a – wasn't the greatest and ended up shooting against the loss. So it was a, a lot of uh, feeling of relief, actually, when uh, when it stopped on the nose there. So – yeah, we had lots of family in the stands, and and we went over and we just enjoyed the moment. And yeah, we're we're super pumped to to be able to go play in the Briar now. You were an alternate at the 2022 Briar. Tell me about that experience and how it might help you prepare yourself and the team for an event like the Briar, which comes with a lot of more fans, more attention, more off ice commitments, and more pressure than any other event you've played in. Yeah, yeah, it was a great experience that uh, Botcher and the guys were able to. To give me there um yeah uh it's a long week uh, i've mentioned that to the guys and even a one or two game day is a, it's a pretty long day actually so just all the preparation that we can put into that um it's it's going to help us to know kind of what it's like walking in and uh yeah tons of tons of media stuff that that you got to do and yeah, it's, it's going to be a long week, a long, grueling week for sure. But uh, we're excited to go and experience all of it firsthand. On paper, Aaron, it certainly looks like your team had a very solid season on tour. How would you summarize your season? Yeah, in the summer when we put our goals together, our two main goals was to uh, play in some slams and make the briar. And we did both of those, so it's definitely a successful year. Hopefully we can keep on building on that. You've played 14 games this season against teams that you will see at the Briar, Aaron. Uh, how much comfort does it give you or give a team like yours headed to your first Briar, knowing that you've played a few of these teams before and won several of them instead of playing a bunch of teams you're unfamiliar with? Yeah, I think that's going to be huge. And uh, most of these teams we have beaten at some point. So I think you just got to focus on that. Like it's it's possible that we can beat these teams and we're we're obviously riding a high right now and throwing the rock well. So I think I think we can go in and have a really good week. What type of game can fans expect of Team Swachinski at the Briar, uh, Aaron? Are you an aggressive team, or do you prefer that play be a little bit more wide open early to allow you to work yourself into the game a little bit? Uh, in the 8 end game, we're usually pretty aggressive. Lots of corner guards when we have Hammer, but uh, uh, we took a little different approach at Provincials and played it played our way into the games a little bit. So I guess we'll see. Um I like I like rocks and play. I like having some fun out there, but uh, I'm going to do what I think is going to give me the best chance to win. You'll see a familiar face in your first game of the 2024 Briar Air in a rematch against Team Cooey. Now, you obviously will go into that game with a bunch of confidence given you defeated them twice at Provincials. But as most curling fans know, the Briar seems to bring the best out of Kevin Cooey. What are your thoughts on that first game of the Briar versus your nemesis from Alberta? Yeah, I mean, Cooey's uh, he's one of the best and he's played in a lot of briars so it's going to be tough for sure and it's also it's really hard to beat those top teams three times in a row so but i mean we got the confidence it can be done so i just hope it's a good game i hope we're we're in it till the end and i hope one of us has to make a good shot to win the game 
And finally, Aaron, Selena Sturme and her team from Alberta were in a similar situation to yours, competing in their first Scotties. They did very well in Calgary, reaching the three versus four game. Do you and the team take any motivation or were you inspired at all by watching them and what they did at the Scotties, hoping you can replicate that a little bit in Regina in your first Briar as a team? Yeah, they've had an incredible run so far. It's fun to watch. I've watched like all their games and yeah, for sure. I mean, it's tough being a rookie at the Briar because uh, almost all these teams have been here before. But uh, I think uh, yeah, seeing Selena go on a run here gives us a little more confidence that maybe we can do that too. Next up is Matt Dunstone, who rode a wave of emotion in last year's Briar playoffs, ultimately losing the final to Brad Gushu. Matt, I think it's fair to say that your team has had a good, not great season heading into this year's Briar. How would you summarize your team's season so far? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly we're, we're very open to trying some new things um, early in the year, and, and a lot of that stuff has stuck with this team. Um, I mean, positive change doesn't happen overnight, so it's something we continue to work on and, and trust. And, and, you know, ultimately this whole season has been about, you know, taking it to the Briar and, and moving on to the Worlds, obviously. Um, you know, we're, we're still making, making playoffs at a, at a very good pace. We're just having a tough time getting past those quarterfinals this year. Um, it's just kind of just been the, been the difference between this season and, and last season. Last season, we saw us make, make some more deeper runs, especially at the slams, making semis and finals and, and whatnot. And, you know, it just, just hasn't happened this year. And, and, I mean, a product of that is obviously not making opportune shots uh, when they need to be made. And, and, uh, you know, the, the landscape of, of curling right now is as strong as everybody knows. So, I mean, if, if you're not taking advantage of the opportunity, opportunities, uh, you're, you're going to pay for them. Does the fact that you're having trouble closing the deal this season, Matt, get into your head at some point, or do you just roll with it, understanding that at some point the tide will turn? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't get to us at all. I mean, the, the pathway is very clear. I mean, when we're playing good, we're as good as anybody in the world, and, and we know that and, and have full trust in that. And, um, you know, it's like, like I said, I mean, teams are going to expose you these days when, when, when you're not sharp and, and take advantage of those opportunities and, and probably seen a little bit of that this year. So, um, I mean, the, the confidence within the group is not, not wavered for a single second. And, and, and like I said, we've, we've proven to ourselves last year and, and, and this year too. I mean, we've, we've beaten all the top teams in the world. Um, you know, we we made some runs in the slams, and just not just didn't have we haven't got as deep as we'd, we'd hope to in those, obviously. But um, the the confidence within this group hasn't wavered uh, for a second. You've experienced a lot of emotional highs and lows at the last couple of briars, uh, Matt. Uh, you've been very close to winning and have fallen just short of getting over that last hurdle and becoming briar champs. Now I realize that you're still early in your career, but does that does being so close and not having closed a deal start wearing on you a little bit, or are you confident that it's only a matter of time until you get over the finish line and win that first briar? Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty hard to to not believe that you know whether it be this year. or our next step i mean it, it is going to be our turn to take care of business and um i mean the the experience this team was able to gather first year team um make made as many finals as we did obviously got to play in the briar final like getting into those types of moments as early as we did as a team is, is something that's super invaluable and and there's nothing but make make this team make this team stronger i mean um between that that gushu botcher gushu stretch that we played there at the briar last year um, you know, the amount of emotions the entire team felt from, from a tough issue loss to, 
pulling out a steal against Botcher and then ultimately getting to that final. I mean, that, that was a whirlwind. That's, that's something you can't learn or teach anybody unless you actually go through it. And, and you know, that was an invaluable moment for this team. Um, and, you know, that, that experience alone is, you know, gonna gonna really help us going into this event. And um, you know, I, I think we faced the highest of highs and lowest of lows um, throughout that event last year. And uh, so, I, I, you're going to see a team at the Briar that that isn't phased by anything, and and a team that's very ready to run. Now, your team did not play in provincials, uh, Matt, because you'd been uh, identified as one of the wildcard teams uh, for the 2024 Briar. Now, that said, is there a part of you that would have liked to compete in provincials, given that the season has been a bit of a roller coaster, and it might have been beneficial to test yourselves in the meat grinder that the Manitoba provincials can be to help you prepare for the Briar? Yeah, I think you described that that provincial format perfectly. It is it's absolutely a meat grinder. Um, you know, we... Obviously, you know, playing in provincials, winning provincials is great. Um, you know, it's one of the best feelings in Berlin. Um, but on the flip side, for us to have been able to plan the season how we did, um, we, we played quite a bit less this year compared to compared to last. And, you know, it's allowed for us to get together a lot more, um, you know, converse a lot more and, and just really hone in on, on what we're doing good, what we're not, and, you know, um, just expedite that process of what we're maybe not doing so well um, to really focus on that and, and hammer it at home. I mean, that's, that's tough stuff to, to practice and touch on when you're playing in games. I mean, you're, you're relying on instinct and athleticism in games and, and maybe not touching on, on that sort of stuff um, in those moments. So um, not having the time off, um, being able to plan, um, you know, really, really gear up and get ready for this upcoming event is, is a huge benefit that we've seen. And, and uh, you know, it, uh, it was a lot. I must say, it was a lot of fun sitting on the sidelines watching, watching uh, all those provincial playdowns this year. It was uh, rather exciting, and and those those are those events are a totally different beast. So uh, you know, it was it was strange, but it was fun to sit on the sidelines and, and watch everybody hammer it out. Matt, the current bar format with only three teams qualifying from each pool gives a team a little less wiggle room when it comes to starting slowly and early losses can prove critical. Does that put additional pressure on a team like yours to be hitting on all cylinders from the start of the event as opposed to working your way into the week? Yeah, you know what, I I, I don't think so. Um, again, probably a lot of different opinions on this. Um, you know, just in, in recent briars where um, we, we I remember in Saskatchewan uh, when we picked up our two bronze medals there, we, we lost our first game in one of them and, and lost our second game in the other. And those those events, one of them, only three teams made the playoffs, and that's a little different format this time around. But, um, you know, haven't really gotten off to super hot starts in the past. Um, of course, you'd like to, and, and like we did last year um, in London, obviously, running the table in, in a round robin. Um, so I, I think... I know from personal experience, have a very good um, formula in place. You know, however which way, uh, however which way the start goes, but obviously you hope to get off to a hot start. And um, you know, especially with no tiebreakers this time around, um, you know, that adds, adds a little different aspect to it uh, for sure. So uh, yeah, I mean, you, you obviously hope you get off to a hot start and get rolling quick. Um, but if not, uh, you're, you're going to see a resilient group that you know is obviously not going to quit and. And knows the formula to win in that situation. And finally, Matt, you're in a pool that consists mostly of teams that you're familiar with. Uh, do you prefer playing teams that you're familiar with at a briar, or do you simply focus on uh, making your eight shots and not really worry about which team you're playing against or whether or not you're familiar with them? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I think we have uh, a much deeper pool, a much more experienced pool um, on our side of things. And, and with that, 
Um, you know, I, I find there's a lot more predictability when it when it comes to that. You know, pretty much pretty much every team in our pool will be played at some point um, in a briar. So you know, you know kind of exactly what you're getting into. A uh, little bit easier to game plan um, as opposed to playing some of the rookies that you've never seen before, and, and you never know what you're going to get. So um, you know, I, I like that we're we're very familiar with all the teams that we we have in our pool. Um, I know we're all very comfortable with that, and. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you said it yourself. I, I mean, if, if we're making our eighth and and doing what we need to do, um, you know, but like I said earlier, I mean, we're good enough to to beat anybody in the world. So, I mean, that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. But but I really do like the predictability um, of of knowing knowing the teams inside and out uh, who they're playing with. Last but certainly not least is two-time world and three-time Canadian junior champion Tyler Tardy, who will be competing in his second consecutive briar as a member of Team Kevin Cooey. Tyler, there's a new voice on Team Cooey this season with the addition of your cousin Jacques Godset at second. What has Jacques' presence brought to the team? Sure, yeah. So uh, we, we got a lot of talent on the team for sure, and um, Jacques definitely brings a different dynamic than we've seen previously. We're... Uh, a lot more chatty now. I think Jacques brings a lot more uh, conversation out of all of us. Um, so that's been a, a good change, but definitely a much different than when, different one than we have had previously. So, so um, yeah, it was definitely a, a challenge early, but uh, I think now that we've kind of gotten into it, we are resolving any issues we have much quicker than we have previously, which I think is a huge plus. Kevin Cooey is a bit of an enigma to most uh, Canadian curling fans, uh, Tyler. We see him a bunch on TV, often making unbelievable shots and winning titles, but we know very little about him. Can you share what he is like as a teammate at events and in practice while not on TV? Yeah, you know, Kev is uh, he's interesting because watching him growing up on TV, I always kind of thought the same, but uh, once you're kind of in his circle and his teammate, he's actually, uh, he opens up a lot more than some may think with you, so... Uh, I, I don't think getting to know Kev has been an issue. I was pretty quiet last year at the start, um, just being the introvert that I am. So it took about three months for me to speak. But uh, now I, I, I'm pretty confident to say that I, I know Kevin pretty well. So I, I think it's just the outsider looking in for the most part thinks he's a pretty quiet, reserved guy, which for the most part is true. But uh, once you're kind of in his circle, then he, he opens up a lot more. Your team has had a bit of a roller coaster season so far, Tyler, winning titles at two tough tour events and reaching three other finals, but falling short at the slams. How would you summarize Tim Cooey's season so far? Yeah, roller coaster is a pretty good description. Um, I, I think the slams with the first two, we missed out on the playoffs by a combined three and a half centimeters or something like that. So I, I think it's just the the monkey on the back right now with the slams, but uh you know, we've we've had a pretty extraordinary non-slam season, so uh, I think we're pretty pleased. If if uh, we're in the playoffs, we're we're in the final this year. So if we can rally off some good games early and and make the playoffs at the Briar, we're going to be feeling pretty confident. Now your team rolled to a spot in the one versus two game at Provincials, only to run into a buzzsaw in Team Suchinski, who beat you in the one versus two game and then in the championship game. What, if anything, can you take from that experience, uh, Tyler, that might help the team as you head to Regina? Yeah, you know, uh, you got to give it to Aaron and the guys. They they played extraordinary. Um, we only really had one slip-up in the 1-2 game, and that was pretty much the game story for that one. Um, and they uh, capitalized on it for sure. And we gave them a good run and still made them uh, sweat a little bit in the last end in both games, but uh, they definitely deserve to, to come out with the title there. 
You and Jock have life partners who played uh, deep into Scotty's week, and Kevin served as a coach for his sister Carrie's team at the Scotties as well, uh, Tyler, which I'm sure has made it difficult for the team to plan their practice sessions ahead of the Ryer the way you would in a typical year. Have you been able to throw some rocks together in Calgary in preparation for Regina, which, you know, as we all know, starts in about uh, six, seven days? Yeah, it's it's been a little bit tough to juggle, but uh, we've fitted in pretty well. I've uh, been throwing pretty much every day. Uh, but, uh, some obscure times, sometimes we curled at 10 o'clock last night and, um, yeah, just a little weird scheduling right now, but, uh, we're feeling good. One of the rule changes that this year is uh, Scotty's and at the Briar Tyler is that teams only get one timeout per game. Now, given Kevin's history of taking the clock down to the final seconds in some important games, including at the Briar, I'm wondering if you guys have discussed how you will go about trying to manage the clock in a way that ensures you will not run into problems late in games in Regina. Yeah, you know, I think we're probably going to be the talk of the town for the the whole timing situation at the Briar, which uh, that's all right, but... Um... Kev promised me last year we'll never run out of time, and we we haven't yet. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the since we have less time, we'll start to use even more. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll have multiple games under ten seconds. But uh, we're we're kind of used to it at this point. And finally, Tyler, your team will begin the Briar as a bit of a long shot in the eyes of many in the Canadian curling community. Although I'm sure the other teams certainly don't feel that way. Does that provide any additional motivation for the team, given the success all of you have had at national championships in the past, be it at the Briar or at the Canadian Juniors? Yeah, it, that's that's a tough one because uh, we actually haven't played a whole lot of Canadian teams this season. Against top teams, we've played Botcher three times and Gushu once, Dunstone twice, and uh, we're pretty 50. I think we're exactly 50% wins and 50% losses if you combine all three of those teams and wins and losses. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the Briar can go any, any way. Every game can be 50-50, especially the final. You, you never know what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I don't really look at that stuff too much. Um, I I personally don't feel like we're going in as a complete underdog just because we've had a, a pretty decent record against Canadian teams. It's It's been those uh, darn Euros that are, are kicking our butts. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, looking forward to it. And that does it for this year's Briar Preview. A huge thank you to all of our guests for joining me this week. Also, don't forget to check out our partners and friends in the Curling Podcast Network. The Two Girls in the Game Podcast, The Rock Logic Podcast, and The Curling Legends Podcast. I'm Frank Rock, and you're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. <laughs>